We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Just want us to uh, kind of, we're going to go into and, uh, and, and talk about another mask that is something I feel like that, that moves in a lot of people's lives, and that is the mask of, of, of position and power. Um, I think that people think that if they hold position, if they hold power, if they hold control, that that merits a lot of things, that it merits spirituality or it, may, it merits God's approval or it even merits that they will make it to heaven one day. Uh, just because you hold a position uh, does not necessarily mean that you are right with God. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't believe that, then just look through the Old Testament of the ones who held position, uh, divine positions that were not right with God. Uh, that, that misused those positions, that did not honor God with their lives. God is not looking for those uh, that, that uh, hold a position. He's looking for those that will honor him with their life, with a spirit of a servant. Um, God laid aside his divine position. His son did. Jesus laid aside his crown. He laid aside his heavenly robes, and he became flesh. Why? Because he wanted to have the human experience. And the hum- Why? Because he wanted to know what we went through. He wanted to know what we, we faced. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points in the book of Hebrews as we are, but yet he did not sin. And why did he not sin? Because he was the son of God that would become the spotless sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, so that you and I might find forgiveness for our sins. I still believe in a God that forgives sin. Do you? I still believe in a God that can wash away any sin if we bring it to him. We live in a world where position and power means everything. It really does. It, it is. It is at the at the top of the pyramid. It is the you know being at the top of the food chain, so to speak. As a matter of fact, um, right now uh, there are candidates lining up uh, to to run for the highest position in our nation, and we'll get to hear about that uh, for the next uh, year and a half. Uh, uh, who wants to be president of our nation? And that you know they they're seeking a position. That position holds power. Um, and, and I've heard people put. It this way, the, the greatest power position in the world. I've got news for you. The greatest power position in the world is when you and I are on our knees. You are in the greatest position of power. That is where God wants us to be seeking his face. Uh, as a matter of fact, unfortunately, power and position in churches is sometimes the thing that has crippled and destroyed a great work of God. When people begin to, to jockey for position or they think that position merits uh, uh, the approval of God, uh, uh, there are mask of power and position where people try to hide their true self. Uh, eventually, who we really are will come to the surface and you will see behind the mask. So eventually, who I really am, who you really are, it comes to the surface. It comes out. doesn't matter who we are. The real, the real us will eventually come out. And, and uh, you know, I say it all the time. Uh, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You hurt yourself, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. Some of y'all, some of y'all just too holy today. Listen to me. Some of you, let me, I wish I had this. Who, who wants me to hit their thumb with a hammer just to illustrate that? So, yeah, okay. So when you hurt yourself, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. Amen. 
It will come out your mouth. I promise you what's in your heart. When you get shocked or scared or startled, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. Amen. Amen. So we need to, now you're all tracking. That's good. All right, today I want to discuss in detail what it means to wear a mask of power and position and how that will destroy so many of our spiritual lives if we're not careful. God is looking for those who are willing to come with humility to serve, not necessarily those who seek the position or the title. Power and position does not equal spirituality. Power and position does not equal God's approval, and power and position does not necessarily equal heaven. Our anchor verses that we will look at today in detail is found in Matthew. Matthew, the 20th chapter, verses 20 through 28, and we're going to share this story of, of, of the disciple, two of the disciples' mothers uh, coming to Jesus, talking to him, and, and seeking position for their sons. I want you to look at this with me, uh, Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came, uh, came up to him uh, with her sons, coming to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I, I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. Oh, my goodness. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at the right hand and my left are not, is not mine to grant, but it is, to those, it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And then the ten heard it, and they were indignant, which means they were ticked off, a little bit upset, at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the, of the Gentiles, Lord, uh, Gentile Lord, is over them, and their great, uh, the great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be uh, so among you, but whoever would be, uh, uh, great, or be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be the, be the slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, Serve, uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. Now, first of all, before we get too, too far into kind of dissecting this, these verses, I want you to realize that, uh, number one, as they came to him, uh, and she said uh, to, to him, I want my sons to sit at your right hand and your left hand. What she was saying, when you come into your kingdom, she was not referring to the kingdom that we all know is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that will one day be visible because what did Jesus say about his kingdom? It's not visible to your eyes right now, but guess what? The Bible says one day there will be a visible kingdom on this earth and God himself will, will, will set up a, a, a heavenly city and rule from it and, and, and that's, that's not what they were looking at though. They were thinking that Messiah was going to overthrow the Romans and that there was going to be a physical kingdom set up by Jesus during this time, during his lifetime on earth. And then she was saying, though, when your physical kingdom comes about, then I want my sons to sit in position of power next to you. I want you to understand something this morning. God is looking for those who will have a heart to serve. God is looking for those that will that's not afraid to get in the trenches. I've got news for you this morning. If you, I believe it, leadership leads by example. I believe leadership must 
must be willing to get their hands dirty because I found that when leadership is willing to get their hands dirty, then you're not afraid to get yours dirty either. Why? Because he is wanting all of us to have the hearts of servants, of servants. And so they requested this of him. I want us to look at this. Here, here we read of the sons of Zebedee came together and their mother to Jesus with a special request for them. Their mother came to pay homage to and worship to him, but, the, but had an ulterior motive. I want you to understand something this morning. We've all walked in this room to come before Jesus, but sometimes we do and I do come with an ulterior motive. What is my ulterior motive? God, I want what I want. I want to get something out of this. I need you to answer this prayer. But what Jesus is wanting is those who will come to him with no hidden agenda that will come to him saying Lord I know there's stuff I need you to do but right now more than anything I just need to be in your presence. More than anything I just need to worship you. More than anything I just want to be close to you. Close to you. God sees through the hidden agendas that we have at times. He sees through, and he saw through this one. She actually wanted Jesus to do her sons a favor, to have them exalted above the other disciples. Boy, that's some, that's a mama, isn't it? I want my boys to be more important than these other boys. And the thing is, you knew that she, <laughs> she was a bold mama bear. Why? Because she did it in front of the other disciples. I want you to think about that. We're all serving Jesus. We're his disciples. And all of a sudden, Mama comes in with two of her boys and says, I don't care about these other guys. I want my boys taken care of. I want them exalted. I want them lifted up. I want them put in a position of power and authority over the others. That's what she was saying. She wanted to keep it secret. But Jesus refused to be caught in this trap, and he openly asked her, what do you want? I got news for you. God knows what you want this morning. He sees through what I bring to what. Hey, listen, he, he knows what I want this morning. I'll just be honest with you. I just needed a few minutes to pray before I got up here this morning just to say, Lord, I want you to, to, to reveal in me the things that I need to lay down right now in order to minister to your people. Why? Because guess what? He knows what we really want. He sees what we really need. And, and, and we need to understand that he sees it not to judge us or to hurt us, but he sees it so he can correct the right path in my life. She wanted to keep it a secret, but he made it open. He saw through her worship and exposed her request. He did. He saw through the worship because the worship wasn't genuine. The praise wasn't genuine because she had an agenda. How many times do I worship God at my convenience because I have an agenda? I'm fixing to get on some toes, so I hope you brought your steel toe boots. I see it all the time, and you see it all the time. Crisis hits a family. They get real religious. They get real serious. They want people praying they want God is God, boy. They they love the Lord, and they they don't even they don't even question things that the world says are socially acceptable, buddy. They're going to live by the Bible, but the minute their need is met. 
They go back to their old life. They go back to their old lifestyle. They go back to what they once believed, and they reject everything till the next crisis comes along. I got news for you. God sees through that stuff, and what he says to us today is, I want some genuine people that want to come to me. And look, he would rather you be honest and say, Lord, I really would like for you to do this. than for us to disguise it in fake worship to try to achieve a hidden agenda. Are you tracking with me today? God cares about what we're troubled with or what's going on in our lives. But his main concern this morning is, is are you ready to face him one day? Power and position equaling spirituality. The disciples grew up in a time where position equaled spirituality. So this was not some new thinking. The, they grew up in a time, let's face it, still some people believe that today greatly, that, that it equals spirituality. The Pharisees decided to seize, uh, decided, and the, 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 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the, the priests of their day, and the leaders of the Sanhedrin and the synagogue, they all held positions of, of power and were treated as royalty in their society because that, and so people would look at them and say, well, because they're of the sons of Levi and they are in the priesthood, then they have spirituality. But I'm here to tell you, abuses were carried on in those times and they were, they're carried on today. In other words, these people, they had it in their head that where they sat at the table may, uh, equaled where they sat with God. And how many things did Jesus try to teach his disciples to show them opposite of that stuff? How many times did he say to them, the first would be last how many times did he say, let the, the one that is greatest among you serve? How many times did he try to point out, I am the son of the living God. I, am, I left royalty. I left heaven. And you say, yeah, I, I, I can picture heaven now. No, you can't. We get an idea of it, but we have no idea what really is there till we get there. And I believe it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow my mind. I've studied these things, but I believe with all my heart these were human beings trying to describe the indescribable. And when we see that place one day, we're going to look over at John and say, boy, you missed it. This isn't nothing like you described in the book of Revelations. How in the world could you be so far off? And John's going to go, it's all the language I had. <laughs> all the way. I described it the best that I can. You, you, you said there was walls of Jasper, but those aren't walls of Jasper. Those are walls of Jasper. Gates of pearl. He was trying to describe the infinite with finite language. I'm going to tell you something. One day we will behold Jesus and it will not be anything like you think when you behold him. I've heard people say it all my life. Oh, when I get there, I'm going to give him a big hug. When I get there, I'm going to do this. And when I get there, I believe we will fall at his feet because we will realize this was truly and is the Son of God to be glorified and lifted up and to be praised. And I think we'll be speechless.
But he laid that aside. His position, his power, he laid aside and became flesh. And you say, well, I know what Jesus looked like. He had blonde highlights and blue eyes until the passion came along. Then he looked a little more Jewish. To have seen him would have been like seeing anybody else in the crowd. That's what the Bible says. It looked common. But Britain, when he opened his mouth, there was nothing common about it. You see, his deity may have been masked in flesh, but what's really in us gets out of us. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, it came out to the point that it blew the three disciples away. They were just mind blown. Peter gets so excited, he's, he gets a great idea because we always get great ideas when we see something we can't explain. He says, "We're gonna. This is good for us to be here." Can you almost, almost? If the if if the Bible had, uh, you could almost, you know, like the thought bubbles. I would see a thought bubble over Jesus going, oh, brother, here it comes. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's establish position on this mountain. Position does not equal presence. We can position ourselves in church and not have the presence. We can position ourselves as a church in this community and not have the presence of God. Let me tell you what I believe God's getting ready to do. He is getting ready for his presence to be overwhelming among us. And it's not going to be our position that equals presence. It's going to be our openness to seeing God move like we never have before. They had witnessed all their life position equaling spirituality. However, the corruption of these men in leadership drove them to rule over the people with fear instead of love and humility. The Sanhedrin, the priest, the rulers of the synagogue, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a death grip of religion on the people. The very idea of power and position equals spirituality is why Jesus was rejected because he didn't look like they wanted the Messiah to look. He didn't act like they wanted the Messiah to act. Jesus came with the heart of a servant, and it was evident that the power of God flowed through him. Listen to me, church. I want to see the power of God flow through us. How about you? Come on. Do you want to see the power of God flow through us? It will come with humility. It will come when we have a heart of a servant. It will come when my idea is that is not beneath me to do. 
But I'm willing to jump in and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see a move of God and the Spirit of God poured out among us. We need a outpouring of God like we've never had before. But I'm here to tell you, it is not going to come through us positioning ourselves as, oh, look at us. It is going to come when the church says, don't look at us, look at him. We're here to prop him up. We're here to lift him up. We're here to glorify him. And what did he say? If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He said this concerning his crucifixion. you got to understand that. He said, if I'm crucified, then I'll draw all men unto me. I'm going to tell you something. The church has lost its affection with some things that are truth. And we need to get back to some truth. And I'm here to tell you, the truth is, the cross was not a clean thing. It was a dirty, nasty experience that Jesus went through. It was gruesome. It was horrifying. He died the most painful, horrifying death you can imagine. But he died that death so that we might be set free, so that we might experience the power of God but I'm here to tell you when he comes back he's not coming back you know uh, defeated on a cross he's coming back in clouds of glory he's coming back as the ruler of all things I'm telling you something this morning church lift him up and the power of God will flow through us doesn't matter how young you are how old you are in this room you need the power of God flowing through you We do not know if this idea was her son's or hers, but she made the request on their behalf, and they sure didn't try to correct it. Some commentators even believe that she was the sister of Jesus' mother. Some believe that. I don't know where they got it, but they believe that. In other words, let's use our family position to gain spiritual clout. That goes on a lot. Jesus discussed the matter of position already in chapter 18 of Matthew. What did he say? At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Humble, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such as a child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be, it would be better for him to have a, a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus looks at them in chapter 18. He had already dealt with this issue of position equaling spirituality or position equaling presence. And he said to them what? He said, who's the greatest? He calls a child to him. And he sits that child, I believe, on his lap. And he says, unless you become as one of these, you will never know the true power and the true nature of my kingdom. What was he saying? He wants to, he wants to be a father to you. He wants you to be a son. Some of us, we're trapped. We're trapped in this orphan mentality. We're trapped that we will never, that, 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 that he his love is, is based upon what I do or what I accomplish or what position I hold or what title I hold or how much money I give. I want you to understand all he wants is children. All he wants you to do is to be like a child and a child will come, guess what, at the most inconvenient times and demand your attention. Amen? National Day of Prayer, 
Jeff had just got through leading his prayer time, and all of a sudden, all across the way, we heard, Papa! You know, and there was a manifestation taking place unless that grandbaby got a hold of Papa. Amen. What are you saying, Pastor? God doesn't care for you to inconvenience him when you come as a child. But when we strut in front of him as if we're somebody, he's got nothing to do with us at that moment. What are you saying? When my kids were little, still when my kids were big, they inconvenienced me at all times. Any of your kids inconvenience you at all times. Not my little angels. Yes, your angels do. We were teasing Paige when she was little. She would self-soothe when she'd get scared or startled. She would. She was, <laughs> she'd run. She'd sit there and she'd go, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we were teasing her about that, and she said, I still do that. <laughs> so, but she would self-soothe. But when the self-soothing wasn't enough, she would have to have mama or daddy. And she would raise her hands and she'd say, I need to hold you. God wants his children to come to him and say, I need to hold you. This world's gone crazy. I need to hold you. This world is becoming more crazy. I got news for you. I will preach the truth and I will preach the gospel. And I'm going to say this plain and boldly this morning. We're in the middle of a month where this world goes crazy. Pride month. Now hear me out. God loves everyone. But God created marriage between a biological male and a biological female. And he created the relationship to be that way. And I stand upon the word of God and they can lock me in jail. They can do whatever they want, but I'm going to still preach the truth. And you, oh, you hate homosexuals. You hate. No, I do not because God does not. But I'm going to tell you something. I was headed to hell just like the next person. Amen? But guess what? When he saved me, he loved me enough not to leave me that way. He changes the heart. He changes the life. And the church does not need to be cloudy on the issue. That's the problem we've got is the church is being cloudy on the issue. But a message of hate is not what this world needs. It is a message of love, but it is a message of love that loves enough to tell the truth. Amen. How would you feel if you walked in and you said, Doc, I came in here six months ago and I had a bad cough, but it just hasn't gone away and it got worse and y'all did x-rays and y'all did CAT scans and the doctor looked at you and said, well, you had cancer. I just didn't want to tell you because I thought it would hurt your feelings.
How many of you would be upset? I would be. I'd probably be having to pray through on my way to jail. Like, why would you withhold that information? I was dying. Well, no, actually, you weren't. If I'd have told you then, we probably could have stopped it. But now it's it's probably too late. You realize that's a description of Judgment Day? Of people who will look and say, why didn't you tell me? Church, we cannot afford not to tell the truth in this hour, but yes, we better tell it with all the love of Jesus that we can. We got to stand on something. I'm going to get a little bit more, and it is wrong. And I want you to hear me. If you are single and you're sharing a bed, you need to stop. That's the scripture too. Y'all getting quiet. Either we're going to believe in the Bible. Listen, if this ain't truth, then neither is John 3.16. Let's just all go home. Jesus didn't catch the woman in the act of adultery and then say, go. I don't accuse you either. And just stop right there. What did he tell her? He said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Change direction. Quit what you're doing and change direction. Let your life, because what you're sowing into your life is going to destroy your life. I love you, but I'm going to tell you the Bible. Why are you saying that? What's that got to do with position and power? Because some people think just because they hold position, then they can do whatever they want because they're covered. That's that's the lie Satan has sold some people. Well, as a pastor, you should know. I don't know. God's the only one who knows everything. But I got news for you. If I find out, I'm not going to let people hold that position for long. Am I going to still love them? Yes. Am I going to care about them? Yes. But guess what? I care about them to not let them live a lie that position justifies sin. Position doesn't justify sin. Nothing justified my sin. I am so thankful that the blood of Jesus washed it away. You know what I also love about children? I love about children. Jesus loved about children. Children are 100% honest. If you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask it. Do not ask it. A three-year-old will be brutally honest with you. And look at you and go, your breath stinks. <laughs> or go even more so in a public place, oh, your breath stinks. And let everybody know your breath stinks. Come on. You see, Jesus would rather us be honest about our condition and come to him than to put some kind of fluff up there of worship and try to hide our agenda. I'm just speaking truth to you this morning. Why? Everybody in this room says we need a move of God. Everybody in this room says we need revival. I'm telling you how you get it. 
Oh, I'm not talking about some fluffed up, little emotional experience that fades with the wind. What I'm talking about is a move of God that is another great awakening to our nation and our country and our world. Now, I will say this with all that I can. I love everybody in this room. I do. I love you. And God loves you even more. But God loves you enough to say, look, let me fix what's going on. But I can't fix what's going on unless you're honest with me. Why? Because he knows it anyway. Why does he want you to be honest with him? Because you're being honest with yourself. Amen. I'm acknowledging it. Will you stand? I know this is heavy. Didn't say it'd be easy. Jesus said this in verse in chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, about children being brought to him in a world that considered ch- children as the lowest status in society. In the ancient world, they did not recognize children as even being counted among them. I want you to think about it. When Jesus fed the, the 5,000, they did not count two, people, two groups in that, in that group. They didn't count the women, and they did not count the children because they did not matter in society. They didn't. Women and children were considered property. That's it. That's the ancient world. Now Jesus looks at them and says, you bring to me, or don't hinder what you think is worthless because to me it's priceless. Some people in this room, you feel worthless. To Jesus, you're priceless. priceless my question is why would a Jesus like that want to hurt somebody when he puts value on that which everybody else devalues you see I've watched people be devalued in the eyes of others all my life have you but God looks and says to me they're worth dying for wow to me They're worth suffering for. To me, they're worth everything. To see them know the joy that the Father has in them. God loves you. He goes on to say to them, whoever receives one such as a child receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to sin, it'd be better for them to be a great millstone fastened around their neck and for them to be drowned in the depths of the sea, saying, there's some bad things coming if you hinder people from me. Don't be a stumbling block for somebody. That's what he was saying. This morning... I wonder if there's anybody that would just like to lay some things down. No hidden agenda. Just pure honesty before the Lord. I come to you as a child. I come to you in need of a father. And knowing that he loves me. 
If that's you, I want you to find a place at this altar. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Come on. I promise you, there's a loving God that waits here for you. There's a loving God ready to wrap his arms around you today. Come on. Let's be obedient this morning. Come on, let's be obedient this morning. There's some of us in this room we don't feel very loved. I'm telling you this morning, God wants to love on you. God wants to put his arms around you. If you'll just come. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.